Lesson number five is taken from Matthew chapter one, verses one to seventeen. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotam. Jotam, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Amon. Amon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud, Abihud, the father of Eliakim, Eliakim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Akim, Akim, the father of Elihud, Elihud, the father of Elisa, Elisa, the father of Matan, Matan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Elizabeth, and thank you for all the readers. Um, thank you for all the singers. It's great to have uh, uh, you all and celebrate Christmas um, together. And uh, it's great to see all of you, um, people who have uh, come visiting, um, people who have come back, uh, people who are regular worshipers. It's great to celebrate with you. But let's pray that God will speak to us this morning. Lord, we thank you that you are a speaking God, that you've created the heavens and the earth by your word. And now we pray that you would shape our minds and our hearts and our lives, Lord, and that we might live for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
For those of you who don't know, my name is Hugh. I'm Hugh Han. That's Han's my surname. But it might surprise you that I'm not the most famous Han in the world. The most famous Han in the world is probably a man named Han Sokbong, whose picture is coming up. He's probably the most well-known Korean calligrapher. Calligrapher. He is known to have this beautiful handwriting, and his uh, uh, books survive to this day, which is surprising to me because I am a Han, a descendant of this man, and I am known to have the worst writing in Korean history. There are surprises in every family tree, including Jesus's. Family line, but the surprises in Jesus's family line—they're not just quirks of history. They're not just accidental. They're intentional. They tell us something profound about who we are and who God is. Because actually, the family line um, that Jesus came from—these ancestors are not people who actually shaped and formed Jesus. In fact, it's sort of the opposite. God. In the beginning, chose this line to come as a baby to be incarnate through this line. He adopted this line. He adopted these people. He chose to come through this line, which tells us a lot about who God is as we pay attention to uh, this family line. I know that it's hard to get excited about list of names. But I hope by end of this morning you'll see that through these names you'll see God's love is really for all people, all people including us. That through these names I hope you'll see that God is sovereign over history, that He's faithful to the promises that He's made to us. Well, let's take a li- list, a look at this list. This is a, a couple more. Yep. The, li- the next one. The list starts out well. The genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, and of Abraham. Well, I mean, you would include these names. David was the greatest king over history of Israel. Abraham was the, the, the father of all Jewish people, progenitor of all Jewish people. You would include these names, of course. But when we go down the list, we find surprising people in there. The first surprise, right off the bat, in verse 3, is Tamar. Verse 3, Tamar is mentioned. First of all, that's a surprise because she's a woman. And in genealogies back then, women were not included in genealogies. They weren't counted. But there she is. But not only is she a woman, if we look at Genesis chapter 38, it's a shocking story that this woman tells. Uh, it's, uh, uh, according to Genesis chapter 38, Tamar was the wife of the eldest son of Judah. But this eldest son dies. And in that culture, uh, then Tamar uh, was then given to the second son, which was what's supposed to happen. But because the second son was wicked, he also dies. Now, at this point, Judah should have given her to the third son, but he doesn't. And he, she uh, lives as a widower, wi- widow for the rest of her life until, to correct this injustice, she dresses up as a prostitute, as a temple prostitute, and seduces her father-in-law. And through him and through that trickery, um, she has two children, Perez and Zara. What a story. And what the story is really about is a subject for another uh, sermon. But it suffice here to say that this is a shameful story. 
It's a shameful story, especially for Judah. Judah, who didn't give Tamar what's rightfully hers, that she had to take what's rightfully hers through trickery. And that's in there. That's in the genealogy in verse 3, Tamar. Another woman that's mentioned here is Rahab in verse 5. Rahab, as you know, was a citizen of Jericho. When Israelites sent spies into Jericho, she had heard of um, she had heard of the fame of Yahweh God, and and she tells these spies that she wants to be saved as well. But think about why they're having this conversation. The reason why they're having this conversation is because the spies took shelter in Rahab's house. Well, why? Well, because Rahab was a prostitute. She just welcomed them in. So Jesus' ancestors include an actual, uh, an actual prostitute and a person who played a prostitute. There's also Ruth in verse 5, a Moabite. According to Deuteronomy chapter 23, Moabites are not supposed to be included in Jewish worship until 10th generations, it says. There she is. There's another woman mentioned in verse 6, mother of King Solomon, who's referred to only as Uriah's wife. You might have heard the story of David's adultery, how he killed the righteous man Uriah uh, to take his wife Bathsheba. So she's not mentioned by name. She's just mentioned as Uriah's wife to accentuate, to underscore the fact that David killed Uriah. The greatest king of Israel had this greatest sin. And that's recorded in the genealogy. It's right there in Jesus' family line. And if you look at the second section, verses, uh, verses 7 through 11, we get a list of kings, um, all the way from David to the exiles. And here's the thing. This list includes both good and bad kings. It's not sanitized. The bad kings are not removed from the genealogy. Uh, they're all there, and there's no pattern. Some good kings are there, like... Um, some good kings are there, and some bad kings are there, and there's no pattern, discernible pattern there. Rehoboam, mentioned in verse 7, is deemed one of the most wicked, and his son, um, uh, his son uh, Abijah, uh, wasn't great either. But their sons, Asa and Jehoshaphat, are good kings. Good kings sometimes give birth to bad sons, and bad sons sometimes give birth to good kings, good sons. No pattern there. This is how a commentator, Michael Green, uh, summarizes what he sees in this um, list. There is, in other words, no pattern of righteousness in the lineage of Jesus. Adulterers, prostitutes, heroes, Gentiles are all found in, the, in this genealogy from Abraham to David. Good or evil, they were part of the Messiah's line, for grace does not run in blood. Grace does not run in blood. It's indiscriminately given to everyone who would come to him. Friends, I'm sure you've been listening to Christmas music these days, and I'm sure you've heard Santa's threats. Have you heard these words? They're threatening. You better watch out. You better not cry. He sees you when you're sleeping. He sees you when you're awake. He knows when you're, you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. I mean, isn't that a threatening song? But Christmas, if you think about it, is completely opposite of what Santa says. The family that the second person of the Trinity adopted includes bad people, includes 
moral failures, people who wrecked the country and families, caused great harm, as well as some decent but imperfect people. Whether you consider yourself bad or good, today there's room for you. He has come through this family line to let us know that all are included in his line, all who would come and receive his grace. In fact, the only people who would not be included, who could not be included as God's family, are people who think that they're too good enough, too good to be on this list, that they do not need our Savior's grace. So I hope you see in this genealogy that Jesus came for us. Um, but it also speaks of God's faithfulness and the promise, uh, faithfulness and sovereignty as well. He's faithful to his promises. Next slide. Think about how, the, how far the story stretches. It began with Abraham. Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. You know, this is 20,000 years before Jesus' birth. 20,000 years back, Jesus' birth. Um, that, uh, and God, when God called Abraham, there's a, there he is, um, there, God made a promise to Abraham that he would make a great nation, make a great nation out of him, that his descendants would be as many as the stars, that he would be given this land, that his name would bless all nations. But by the time that he died, he had a little piece of land that he had to buy for himself, uh, for, uh, for his wife, to bury his wife. He didn't have great many descendants. He had one miraculous son. Miraculous, but just one. He didn't die surrounded by this big family. Uh, he also, instead of becoming a great nation, by the end of Genesis, uh, Israelites are absorbed into Egypt. They're in Egypt, and later on, they're slaved for 400 years until Moses rescues them out of Egypt. It's only when they couldn't even remember Yahweh's name. God remembered the promise made to Abraham. And he brings them out of Egypt in Exodus. You see, this genealogy records God's faithfulness. How he, is, he will fulfill the promises that he's made. His words are true. And he's faithful through good and bad kings. Again, look at the list in verses 7 to 11. He preserved a line. He kept line kept going not only through good kings, but through bad ones as well. Bad ones are there. And when Israel and Judah got so bad, God had to judge them. He judged them and sent them into exile. But he didn't abandon them. God made a promise to bring them back, and he did. Verse 12 records a name, Zerubbabel, who was the governor of Judah, who brought people back and built Israel back up again. And God was faithful through the third section, through the silent years after the exile, you know, uh, we don't really know of anything um, of the nine names that happen after verse, uh, next slide, nine names that come after Abihud in verse 13. Nothing. Because God stopped speaking. These are silent years. Uh, prophets weren't speaking. We don't know anything about these people. But through the nine unknown and silent generation. God was still at work. God was still at work bringing salvation to the Israelites and through, uh, uh, to the world. He was working out his plan of salvation. So keep this in mind. God's timing is different. 
But his words are true, and he fulfills his promises. He never loses purpose, uh, a side of his purpose. He is sovereign over history, of, over all things that is going on. And Matthew, uh, uh, Matthew writes in verse 17 that there were 14 generations from Abraham to David, David, 14 generations from uh, David to exile, and 14 generations from exile to Jesus. What Matthew is saying is that God knew exactly what he was doing from the very beginning when he called Abraham. God is never late. He's always on time, and he was bringing history towards the culmination of bringing Jesus, our Savior, on, on, uh, um, into earth. We've lit four Christmas uh, Advent candles here. Today is Christmas Eve, and it's hard to be patient it's hard to be patient because it almost feels like Christmas. Tomorrow is Christmas. Today, it feels like Christmas. Christmas music is everywhere. You've had Christmas parties and gift exchanges. And we're having our Christmas party um, later on at 4.30 at the church office. But it's not yet Christmas. We're still in the season of waiting. And waiting is hard. Waiting is hard, especially when you're suffering, when you miss your loved ones, when life feels crushing, you want Jesus to come back right now and fix all things. But even after tomorrow, even after the Christmas day is here, we still have to wait until the fullness of revelation of Jesus, until he comes back and he actually makes everything right. So could I remind you, that we're still in waiting. It's still the Advent season. So be patient in the times of light when things are good, but be also patient when times are dark, when things are difficult, and trust that God is working out His plan of salvation, that He is with you right now, that He's working out His plan right now in your life. Journalist Malcolm Muggeridge once wrote, that all, all happenings, great and small, are parables by which God speaks. The art of life is to get the message. Advent reminds us to listen to the message that God is still speaking. God is still at work. He is still forming us. And we need to wait for the fullness to come. So keep going. Trust in his goodness, in his presence now. And he will redeem the world. And friends, if you're not yet a Christian... Please know that he has made room for you, uh, for you to be included in his family. He has brought you here today. And I hope you'll come to know the Savior who's still searching after you. And I hope you'll respond to him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that through these names we see your faithfulness, your sovereignty, your control over history, and the grace that is available to all. We thank you that through your Son, you have adopted us as your family, as your children. Lord, we pray that we would know your grace. And as we know your grace, we pray that you would give us the patience to wait, patience to go through the times of dark, darkness and suffering and, 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 and ups and downs of this life. And we pray that that hope will sustain us until our death or until your days, uh, day of your return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.